Welcome to episode 47. Just a pregame note for you here. The Q Dog is in post op recovery, so the ladies invade the studio. And in episode 47, my wife Jeannie talks to Coach Rita about some of the things she blamed herself for in our kids and maybe even potentially in our marriage. I hope you enjoy. And don't forget, if you have a question or comment, email us, coach at manversusmarriagepodcast.com. That's coach at man, V like victory, S like success, marriagepodcast.com. And check us out on Facebook at MVSM Podcast. Enjoy and roll tide. The podcast. How good do you want your life to be? You gotta live on purpose for a purpose. It's truly about becoming the best version of yourself that's possible. This is Man vs. Mary, the podcast. Welcome to another episode of Man vs. Marriage. We have Jeannie in the studio today, and it's going to be a, what do you want to call it, a extension of the episodes that Quincy and I sat down and did. You could go back and listen to those, and it just took a different turn when we were sitting down and talking, and Quincy had a discovery of being a burden and really trying to bring that out as to where that all started. Unbeknownst to us, we didn't know we were going to go and have a conversation in regards to autism. So I would just really highly recommend that you go back and listen to the last um, couple episodes. Episode 40, I'm looking at Quincy, 44, 45, 46. If you go back and listen to those and then um, you'll understand where we're going with Jeannie. So why don't we just dive right on in? I know I do introductions totally different than Quincy. <laughs> I don't have the announcer voice. Right. Then. So I just want to welcome Jeannie. That's Quincy's wife. Quincy is in the studio and so is Ashley. Our, our wonderful, wonderful producer that she could cut and slice and dice this whole thing. So um, welcome, listeners. I'm just going to go ahead and we're just going to dive right in on this and really see the perspective, the insight, um, the world, really, that you and Quincy live on a day-to-day basis, having three children with autism, having multiples, two sets of multiples, a total of eight kids, all girls but one boy, Hunter. All He's of them the oldest. Are 15 to 18 months apart, too. And the age is Anissa's. Anissa will be 12 this Sunday. Mm-hmm. And to... Hunter is 18. So that's a load. That is definitely, definitely a load. So when I was coaching Quincy, Um, He had discovered that he just felt like a burden and he felt like he had to take care of 
everything because he didn't want to burden anybody else. And just in the conversation, trying to figure out where that came from. And lo and behold, it, he discovered that, um, it really emphasized itself or really showed up, um, when your kids, all the discovery. So why don't you just kind of share, um, each of your kids just share so that people could kind of have a background of where it is and what it is that you're dealing with. Um, okay. So Hunter being the oldest, he was born with microtia. So he's hard of hearing in one side. He's got a 70% loss. Um, so we were dealing with that in the beginning. He didn't get diagnosed as autistic until he was eight because the symptoms are very similar and the behaviors are very similar for someone who can't communicate clearly so we, that makes sense. we yeah. didn't know. Um, and by the time we got to that diagnosis, we had already been in the lane of dealing with deaf and hard of hearing versus autism. Um, that was, he was diagnosed at eight. Hannah, Kirsten, Hannah, and Gracie were three months preemie. Those are my triplets. Um, they all had difficulties from the get-go right but hannah had the most with brain surgeries and things of that nature Mm -hmm. um 23 actually total since she was born until six years ago now going on seven seizure free and no revisions so we're doing good um she is high function hunter is moderate to severe kirsten started out normal was developing just fine and at five years old somewhere between four and a half and five lost speech just didn't really interact with anybody everything just kind of shifted we didn't know about her Mm -hmm. because she was developing just fine and um when we took hannah in to get checked for her diagnosis because she had a a major seizure and she had all these brain surgeries and stuff and we were noticing changes in behavior Um, she went from being my bright bubbly kid and my really smart kid to She's still really intelligent, but she just couldn't put things together. And then she couldn't be around people. She couldn't be around noise. Um, We noticed repetition, things like Dora, things that had three steps. That was her safe place. Right. Um, So when we took her in to get diagnosed, of course, you don't go anywhere. When you have four kids in diapers, you don't go anywhere without all four kids. So when we went to the neurologist for Hannah, Kiki was sitting on the end of the bed and she was looking out the window and the wind was blowing and the tree was swaying. Kirsten started swaying with the tree. I didn't think anything of it, but the, the neurologist is working with Hannah. She's got lights and sounds toys going on. She's shaking things. She's watching how she moves, right. what noises bother her. Kirsten never budged. I didn't think about it until the neurologist said, okay, well, Hannah's definitely high function, mm-hmm. but this one over here, we need to watch. <clears throat> She's definitely on the spectrum. She's not responding to sound. She's not re- responding to lights. She wanted nothing to do with anything on the table, nothing that they offered, which for a five-year-old child is right. unheard of. Right. So um, that kind of rocked everything. Mm-hmm. Um, Gracie has cerebral palsy, but she's very mild. Mm-hmm. Um, it affects her, her elasticity in her muscles and things like that. And it also... It affects her learning. Mm-hmm. Her comprehension is kind of foggy. She can understand something and tell it to you, but she cannot put it into writing. So there's just, just wires right. crossed. Um, 
Ashlyn is our normal, <laughs> our 100% mama's girl. She is exactly like me in a lot more ways that I wish she wasn't, but um, she came out completely normal. She was the first baby I held to full term. Um, and she was born right in the middle of the biggest storm, shall we say. Mm-hmm. She was She was born... Um, we got pregnant with her seven months after the triplets came home. She was a surprise. Dang, people. (laughs) (laughs) It was, it was not planned, but it was not a mistake. I will say that, but she was definitely a surprise. Mm -hmm. Um, but she held full term. Thank God that gave us 18 months between them. Um, our twins were a shock, but we were happy. They were both born a little early and one has a shunt, but they are both very developmentally normal. Um, complete opposite personalities. Totally. But they are, um, they are definitely the salt and pepper to our mix. I think they, they put the flavor to everything going on in the house. And then you have Anissa who is 100% her father's child. There, totally. there is, there is maybe a smidge of me in there maybe. with the sarcasm. If you look. But it, it shows up in random situations, but she right. is 100% her daddy's girl. Mm-hmm. Um, she is also full-term and neurotypically normal, um, but she is probably the goofiest of all of them and the most fun in any given situation because she's the random thought person, shall yes, we say. definitely. And there's no filter. <laughs> there's yeah. none. So that that's kind of... A rundown. A of, rundown of, of personalities and quirks, if, if mm-hmm. you will. So, you know, I just thought it was important that after talking to um, Quincy and just, you know, doing those last episodes that, you know, I really believe that this is your guys' story. I believe that there are a lot of families out there um, that, have this in the mix of what you guys are dealing with. It seems as though autism is so much more, um, I don't want to say popular, but it's so much more, it seems like it's commonplace now. Um, I don't know the statistics as far as, Mm -hmm. um, you know, how many kids actually are out there with autism. When our kids were diagnosed, it was one in 88. Right. And that is 10 years ago. Right. So I haven't, to be honest with you, I avoid any statistics. I avoid mm-hmm. any autism help, any um, social groups, any of that stuff. Why that, is that? Explain that to the listener. It's depressing. Okay. To be perfectly honest for my, myself, mm-hmm. it depressed me because we, when we first got the diagnosis, we went to all these classes because I my mindset was fix it. Whatever I have to do to fix it, to make them as normal as they could possibly be, mm-hmm. that's what we're going to do. So I dove into every information outlet I could find, dietary, um, doctors, you name it. Mm-hmm. And one group we got involved with was huge. And everything we heard from that very first meeting was, you're going to have to fight for this. You're going to have to argue about this. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. And it just sunk me mm-hmm. because it just laid out the road for me that everything I'm going to do is going to be a battle. Right. And on top of that, there were pushing how many of the people were in that particular class we were in. They were divorced. 
Mm, it was, you know, you have a 50 to 60% chance of divorce when autism hits your house because mm-hmm. one or the other parent can't handle the, the workload. Right. And we already had multiples. So that was already a load. We were pregnant in the mix of all of it <laughs> always. So that was constantly adding to what we already had. Mm-hmm. So right. it was just... For me, it was at first I wanted it. And then the more I listened to it, the more I just pulled away from it. Mm -hmm. It's like, I I don't do well with negative in my face. And I was already dealing with three. Right. So they, so what they were portraying is everything that you're going to have to do from this point forward is going to be a fight. You were already in a fight anyway. So sanity, right. <laughs> sanity so is just to itself. bring, you know, more of the battle, even more intense, that just was like a turnoff for you then. Yeah. They're not all bad. I don't, I don't want people to think don't look for help right. because that's not what I'm saying. But just for, for you, for me in that particular group, We did gain a lot of information. Quincy Mm -hmm. and I went to um, a couple of conferences with them and we gained a lot of information that was helpful. Right. But there was just a lot of, um, there's just a lot of not necessarily victim mentality, but just this is happening to us. Right. And it, it shifted how I looked at things and it took me several years to come out of where we were to realize this didn't happen to us. This wasn't something that it's like, you know, everybody wants to blame a vaccination. They want to blame their early birth. They want to blame genetics. They want to blame this and that. I look, I'm not blaming anything or anybody. If you really want to look at it, honest to God, truth, I blamed myself because I couldn't carry them full term. So how did you work through that? Because I know there's a lot of blame, a lot of guilt, a lot of um, like, even like what you just said, Quincy, on the back thing, um, you know, blaming God. I mean, you place the blame everywhere because it just seems a little bit more easier. But I don't know. How do you work through that? How do you come from getting all these diagnoses and you know, so your kids were five, um, Kiki's 17. She'll be 17 in December. Right. So, I mean, how, how do you digest all this information, work through guilt, blame, whatever, whatever those emotions are and still stand? Cause I know, like, I know the listener out there, like you guys might not be dealing with autism in your marriage but we're all dealing with something because life has a way of doing that to us sideswipes you it totally sideswipes you like things come in and you just like okay like I was telling you earlier like I didn't sign up for this no so even though we're talking about autism we're talking about you know the the things that have challenged you guys in your marriage they're all challenges so even though it's not autism that you're dealing with, you're still dealing with a challenge in your life. You could be challenged with um, guilt, with blame, with, Surgery, you know, I mean, anything. 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 So just, just don't like tune out, oh, because I don't have that in my marriage. I don't have that in my family. Doesn't mean that this doesn't relate to you because I think we deal with guilt. We deal with blame. It's just not 
you you know what yeah. I'm saying? It's just not in what it is that you and Quincy both um, have are and are working through. So how did you work through that blame and guilt? And um, the first time I even realized it, we were doing the marriage class. Um, it was right before you and I started coaching for the first time. Mm-hmm. And we got asked one to 10, where's your marriage? And we both had to answer on a separate sheet of paper. <laughs> I remember this. My husband, God love him, said seven, right? Six, seven? seven? Okay. And mine was a three. So that was the first reality check was, okay, we're definitely not on the same page here. Um, but when we talked, we had to explain why. And my why was I felt guilty for putting him in the position he was in because he was working two jobs. Mm-hmm. He was gone all the time. He was trying to put food on the table because there was a lot of times we didn't have. Um, eight kids kind of does that to you. Right. But I don't blame them for it. Mm-hmm. But the first step was admitting to him that I took the blame because I was the one who told the doctor that night, no more medicine, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. I had been in the hospital for six weeks with the triplets. I had been on all kinds of ugly medication just to keep them in. Right. And the, the guilt trip at that point was the doctor saying, if you don't do this and they're born, they're going to die. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I can't physically deal with everything that was going on and the emotional stuff that was going on and trying to work through. You just have to lay in bed and eat. 4,000 calories a day, don't puke it up, and you can't walk anywhere by yourself. And there was no windows at the time in the rooms. This was the old hospital. I was going stir crazy, and it was Thanksgiving and Christmas And you still had Hunter. I still had Hunter. Mm -hmm. He had just learned to walk, and my mom and my husband were getting to watch it, and I was stuck in a room during Christmas. Thank God they were born on the 9th. But I was... I felt bad because they gave me the shots. They kept giving me medication. They kept telling me, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. Just keep doing what we're telling you. And I finally rolled over one night and I just told Quincy, it's like, I'm done. I cannot do this another day. They came in and my, I had been in contractions for six weeks solid. Holy shit. Yeah, exactly. So even though I, I was medicated, so I didn't feel all of it. Right. But Just put yourself in the position of how tired you were just giving birth to one, okay? It could have been two hours. It could have been 36 hours. Everybody goes through something different. Right. I had three kids in my stomach, one breech. So no matter what I did, I was having C-section. Right. My body is too small to hold them. I'm on way more meds than anybody should be taking. I'm beyond, I mean, you talk about mood swings. Oh my gosh. You put a woman on mag. (gasps) just run. I mean, my nurse even straight up told people she's just moody today. And I was not very kind to her and very colorful in my response. So I had one nurse I loved because her answer to everything was Reese's peanut butter cups. I'll bring you (laughs) Reese's honey. Just, just hold on. I loved her, but all of that was taken on by me because once they were born, they were all on oxygen. They were two inches wide. They were 14 inches long. So how early were they? Uh, three months. Three months. So it's 29 weeks, two days. It's a miracle that they uh, yeah. are, are yeah. where they're at today. They, they honestly did not expect any of them to pull through. I remember that. And um, 
that was hard. And then the very first night I wasn't allowed to go in and see them. Mm -hmm. They pulled me in in my gurney and I saw the top of the incubators, but I couldn't see my girls. Right. And I couldn't go until I could walk. They refused to let me go see them until I could walk. I was not a very good patient that night. We'll just leave it that way. But I held the guilt because I saw all the tubes. Hannah had to go through all the brain surgeries. Kiki had issues going on, but she was, it was an oxygen thing. It was like, I couldn't, it was my fault. In my mind, it was my fault. Mm -hmm. My body failed me and me making the choice to stop medication. It was my fault. So when we came to this marriage class and this came to light, that was the first time I'd ever said it. And Quincy's response to me was, I never, ever held you responsible for that. Mm -hmm. So then it came to, I can hold it and I can keep the guilt or I can accept that he doesn't hold me responsible. So I don't need to hold me responsible and screw anybody else who does. Mm -hmm. That kind of took the first burden. Right. And then that, that opened the door for me and him. (coughs) Sorry, Ashley, I'm going to screw this up. I'm (laughs) coughing so much. Um, that opened the door for me and him to come to the table with you and say, okay, clearly there's issue here Mm -hmm. and we need to figure out how to deal with it. Right. That was just one on top of the many that we were going through at the time, but we had never discussed any of it. We, the way Quincy and I have done things for years was just go to survival mode and get through it. Once we get through it, we can do whatever we need to do to hash it out, what have you but we never hash it out. Right. I think a lot of times um, in, in different circumstances, I think a lot of when you're hit with such big and heavy things, and I remember walking you guys through this, it's like you get hit, you do what you need to do, you get through it and you just move on. And then we got hit again. And then you do it again. (laughs) And then you do it again. And, and it's like, you never go back and, and, I don't want to say regroup, but you never go back and like deal with those emotions, deal with what mm-hmm. went on, deal with, with what it is that was dealt to you because everything is happening so fast that you never have time to really stop and process, check on the kids. I remember asking you guys, did you like check on the kids when all of, uh, I think it was when, um, Hannah, um, and her, her last, both of them were in the her last seizure um gracie was in the hospital for a bone right, infection that was it. and then while we were at ucla with gracie discussing whether or not we were going to have to go through surgery right we got a phone call from the nurse here who was staying at the house with the kids because kiki had a nurse and so did hannah and hannah had had a seizure right i remember that and we were calling five uh, just everybody, I don't care who gets there, just somebody get there while we tried to figure out how to get from one hospital to the other hospital an hour and a half away, which right. he made in 45 minutes, record time. Thank you, babe. <laughs> but it was... Down the 405 freeway, by the way. Yeah, because the kids... <laughs> in rush hour traffic. You, you asked us if we had checked in on the kids because Gracie being gone was a huge hit because Gracie never had any medical issues. Mm-hmm. And it was just all of a sudden this hit and it hit fast. Right. And then Hannah having a seizure, you've got paramedics coming in the house. You've got, you know, the, the school teacher that we know down the street. I, anybody, I don't care who you are, just get to my house. Right. And then the nurse had to go with her. So we were transitioning people in and out. We never stopped to think, 
The kids have seen ambulances come in and out of our house 17 times this kid has been in a truck. Right. Five times in a helicopter. So it's like we never thought about it. I know, and it, and we don't. I mean, we don't think about it in the moment because you're just going through it to get to the other side. And you never stop and allow yourself to just go through the emotions of, oh my gosh, what did we just go through? Because when you do that sometimes, it's like, can you get through the emotions of what you just gone through? It doesn't, it doesn't matter um, the circumstances. Are you checking back in with each other as husband and wife, as mom and dad to the kids? Are you guys checking in on each other and, you know, allowing and having that freedom to process some hard times, some hard life um, that has just been dealt with you, the majority of us don't. And what happens is we compile it, compile it, compile it, compile it, compile it. And you're like emotionally, you're disengaged. disengaged. (laughs) That's a great word. That is my word. I disengaged. You just totally disengaged from your emotions because so much is happening all at once. Mm And, and to engage with those emotions, you're going to have to almost relive those moments. That's probably the hardest thing for me because in all of these things, we go back to guilt. He's working. He's doing everything he can to pay the bills. We're both stressed. We're both strung out. We're not sleeping. We're both exhausted emotionally, physically, mentally. There's nothing left to give. Right. And I'm going to go to him and tell him, dude, I'm, I'm dealing with this and I need you to sit and listen to me right now and just pour my heart out. And it's like, he's going through it too. <laughs> right. And, right. You know, it, for me, it was, I'm not going to burden him with that. He's got too much on his plate. He doesn't, he doesn't need to deal with it right now. We'll deal with it later. Exactly. That's how most of us um, do life. We'll deal with it later. We'll, we'll touch base later. We'll, we'll, you know, deal with it. But then just something else comes up Then something else. I mean, cause that's life. It doesn't, it doesn't really, um, sometimes just doesn't give you a break. So I think this is a really good spot to end because then we could go into the next episode of how did this all affect your marriage? Like if we could dive into that aspect of how it affects your marriage, um, you know, with some good takeaways on, on what it is that helped you guys through this and, and what got you to the other side, what got you to, um, you know, where you're at today. So I think it's a good, a good stopping point that we can just, um, you know, just carry on from this episode. The podcast. How good do you want your life to be? It's truly about becoming the best version of yourself that's possible. This is Man vs. Marriage. The podcast.